That song, Silent Night, is certainly one of my favorite Christmas songs. My kids were asking me yesterday at the dinner table, what uh, kind of traditions do we like the best and songs we like the most? That is definitely one of those. And I'm sure that Mary felt that peace, that, you know, round yon virgin, mother and child, sleep in heavenly peace type of peace after Jesus was born. Because it was anything but before Jesus was born. I mean, it was crazy for her, the virgin conception that she had and traveling to Bethlehem and other things. Uh, And yet Mary had to believe that God knew what he was doing when he said, you will be the one to carry my son until the night she gave birth to Jesus. A virgin birth, virgin Mary. That's what we call her. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So if you have your outline, I'm going to invite you to take that out. I'm going to invite those in the venue to take that out as well. Welcome. Joining us online as well. My name is Pastor Brad Stahl, uh, one of the pastors here at First Baptist. And we are thrilled that you have come to share with us uh, in worship today as we talk about believing the virgin birth. You know, I read a magazine article a number of months ago um, that uh, kind of brought up the question, why don't Protestant churches talk a lot about the Virgin Mary? I mean, we see it a lot in the Catholic churches. We see it a lot in Greek Orthodox or other places like that, where, where Mary is, is highly exalted and, and, and given a kind of a different type of a status. And, and really, probably it's because we feel like the pendulum has maybe shifted too far that way and that she is given higher, higher status really than biblically is accurate. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But today we're going to talk about Mary. Because she has an amazing story, and over the next three weeks, I want to look at her role as she had to believe, as we look at this series, Believe, as she had to believe that God could use her to bring the Savior of the world to us. And so specifically today, I want to look at the announcement of the virgin birth. And if you know, if you have some problems with believing the, the virgin birth, welcome to the club. Because for centuries, people have been wondering how this could come about. Uh, People have wondered, uh, you know, how could that have taken place? In fact, the first one who was skeptical was Mary herself. Her story is told in the book of Luke, and if you have your Bibles, if you can open up to Luke chapter 1, and let's pick our story up. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O highly favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And now here's where the skeptic came in. 
Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. Which really is the point of the virgin birth, is that God became one of us. He emptied himself from all of his godness, from all of his majesty up on heaven above, and became one of us here on earth. That's the point of the virgin birth. It's, it's an incredible mystery, though. Something that is so hard to understand. Do I fully understand how that could happen? No, not really. Can I ever solve the mystery of the virgin birth and how they came about? No. All I can tell you is what I read here in verse 35 and what's recorded. That's the only evidence we, we have. So looking beyond the how could that have come about, you have to ask the pertinent question, why? Why did God become one of us. But even before we look at that, I want to answer a few misconceptions because I think it helps us to clarify some things as we're on this search for the why and the how. And so on your outline, you have a rectangle box there right in the middle that says the virgin birth has been the subject of, and I want to give you the first fill-in, which it's been the subject of confusion. Confusion for, for many, many centuries. In fact, um, the confusion probably has started with semantics of sorts, by oral tradition, because the words the Virgin Mary became the virgin birth, has become Mary born of a virgin. You see how suddenly that happens? And she's been given really deity-type, God-like status because of that place that people now talk about her of Mary born of a virgin. In fact, the Immaculate Conception, you've heard those words, that does not refer to Jesus. That refers to Mary, that she was born without original sin. Unfortunately, now that's by tradition that many believe that, but that's not by biblical fact. That's not by biblical truth. And so I just want to clarify that. Maybe one of the reasons that we don't exonerate her of deity status is because it's not spoken of in Scripture. Mary was not, um, or, or Mary was not birthed uh, 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 by a virgin herself. She gave or had a virgin birth to Jesus. Now, that doesn't diminish Mary being chosen, doesn't diminish that she was a, a person found highly favored, but does not take on, Mary does not take on, nor should she in your mind or your beliefs, uh, deity-type status. But it's interesting. I just went on the internet and kind of was looking at some pictures of Mary, and, and you, you see this one here. What, what is Mary standing in front of? A cross. And what kind of a, a, a picture do you actually see of her? I mean, if you take away her face... That would almost seem like it was a picture of, of Jesus. I mean, that often happens and watch over this next, you know, this Christmas season. In fact, I saw a National Geographic magazine at a checkout stand yesterday, and it says, Mary, the most powerful woman in the world. It's because she's been given status that the Bible really hasn't given her. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit more of that over the next couple of weeks. But this is one of those. Here's another one. This makes it look like she ascended into heaven, which is a part of tradition. Um, uh, not biblical, but is a part of uh, some people's tradition that she also ascended, did not die, but she ascended into heaven. And so there's some confusion over the Virgin Mary. 
There's also confusion over the virgin birth with the fact of the counterfeits. And that's the next fill-in that you have on there. The virgin birth has been the subject of counterfeits. I mean, from the very beginning, Jesus, the Gnostics, taught that Jesus was really just a ghost. He wasn't really human. He, w- he just was a, was a spirit. It wasn't human. He didn't die a human death either, which, again, I'm saying this not because it's biblical, because it's not. I'm saying this that this is a part of tradition or confusion or counterfeits that have been in place. Because Scripture says that he lived as a man. He was human. He died a human death. You know, that translates in, over to Mary sometimes, of even how she is seen and viewed. You've probably heard of, you know, appearances happen in this country, appearances happen here, appearances happen there. Let me show you one of the most uh, unique kind of appearances. This is in a church in Florida um, who's now set up a shrine. You can see that this is the picture. It's the same picture over here, kind of blown up. But here is, you know, Mary, and they say, well, that's the Virgin Mary kind of appearing. Uh, you know, the, the, the streaking on the glasses or however they clean the glasses kind of give that imagery there. Um, you, you have chairs that are set up here at kind of her foot, and, and you have people sightseeing and such. I actually saw online that it said Virgin Mary parking this way, and I thought, what kind of car does she drive, right? Interesting there. But um, yeah, it's for the people to all come and, and look at this. Um, you've probably seen some of these sightings as well, or seen them in the news. I saw one the other day that was just hilarious. Um, this is on a grilled cheese sandwich, that uh, Mary is identified. You see the picture here? Here's kind of the face of Mary right here. Here's a nose. Here's a mouth. Here's, a, here's a eyes. I mean, can you imagine biting into your grilled cheese sandwich and looking down and saying, Ah, Mary! Like right there. That's what some people believe, that she's appearing in these different places, these, these, these counterfeit-type Marys. I'm going to give you a third area. Subject, the virgin birth is subject of, of controversy often. I mean, even in Jesus' day, there was a debate with the Pharisees that was going on. I mean, how would you like to be called the the virgin boy or the the bastard child? Is what they may have referred to him at some place. Or maybe the kids in the neighborhood because they didn't know who his real father was if he's a virgin, you know, born of a virgin. In fact, the Pharisees in John 8, 41 kind of hint at this fact that they were saying, well, we know who our dad is. We know who our father. We're not illegitimate like, like you, Who's your daddy? You know, type of thing is what they were hinting at. We know who ours is. I mean, and those swipes at the divinity of Jesus have have just transfigured down. Um, Hollywood often emphasizes that as well, sometimes portraying Jesus in movies as not knowing who his parents were or his divinity is not uh, uh, being divine. But, But that's not what the Bible teaches. And so we need to go back to the biblical account and say, what evidence do we have of who Jesus was and the virgin birth and that account, which brings us back again to that question, why? Why did God cause Jesus to come be one of us? And what role does the virgin birth play in this? Why why is it so important that I believe that Mary was a virgin and gave birth to Jesus, other than, you know, if we don't believe what the Bible says, that that could whittle down at our faith because we kind of discredit Scripture? Let me tell you this. Here is what believing in the virgin birth means and does. Number one, down at the bottom of the first page, it renews my awe of God. When I believe the virgin birth, as the Bible, biblical account says, it renews my awe of God. Douglas Copeland was the one who said, sometimes the people I feel saddest for are the people numb to the sense 
of wonder. You feel that sometimes? I mean, maybe you've even come into this Christmas season and that sense of wonder has kind of just been gone. Maybe 2015 has been a tough year and you're not there yet. You're not in that kind of Christmas spirit. I think the virgin birth brings us back to that sense of awe and wonder that God wants for us. You ever seen a child come alive at Christmas time? because of all that Christmas kind of stands for. This last um, Friday night, the First Baptist Christian Schools had their Christmas performance. And you could see it in these, just, especially the little kids, the preschool kids. Their eyes just in amazement, seeing the decorations, the tree, the sanctuary, going home and seeing presents under the Christmas tree, looking at the Christmas lights. You see this sense of awe and wonder and amazement. You know, I would hope, that you would rediscover that, not only about Christmas and what it means that God became one of us, but just about God himself and who he is. I mean, we have lost our astonishment, even with the gospel message. Some people now say the gospel is, is not good news, it's just kind of okay news. The gospel isn't you know, life-changing, it's just kind of life-enhancing Can I just say, "Uh uh-uh, no way, don't go there. The moment you whittle this down to just say, well, you know what, I can plug God in part of my life. I'll enhance my life. I'll go to church, maybe make a few friends. Maybe I'll be blessed because I go or because I give. No, that's not at all what God is about. The message Jesus came with is that he wants everything. That's why God sent his son into the world. He gave up everything to become one of us. That's what God requires and demands of us as well. And what the virgin birth means is that the God who created it all limited himself to become just this single cell that grew into an embryo, to a fetus, to a child, to a baby. I mean, I hope that blows you away. And if it hasn't, maybe you have lost some of that sense of wonder and awe that this Christmas season is about. I mean, it blew Mary away. Look at the account that she gives as she now sings a song. It's kind of her diary of sorts. Look at Luke 1, 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary was blown away by this. When was the last time you were blown away by God? Let me ask it another way. What have you been magnifying in your life? Because what you magnify is going to become important to you. Look at what Mary says. What she say here? It says, uh, my soul magnifies who? The Lord. My soul mag- What have you been magnifying this week? There was a young man who came down and spoke to me after the service last week. And he said, Pastor Brad, is it true that um, I can't watch television and, and be a Christian? I said, I hope not because I watch television. I said, I said, where did you kind of get that thought? And he said, well, I heard from a pastor sometime that you couldn't watch television. I, I said, you know, that pastor may have been me. And let me clarify what I said. I said that it's going to be hard for you to watch three hours of television and read your Bible for three minutes, as many of us probably do, and expect to grow in our faith. 
Expect to be a growing Christian. That's what I said. He said, oh, okay, I, I get it. What do you magnify? Because if you're sitting there watching television or a movie or all those other things for hours upon hours upon hours and then read your Bible for three minutes and say, let's call that good, it does not lend to you magnifying God in your life. That's why we gather here on Sunday mornings. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible during the week. That's why we encourage you to get into some sort of a community group where you can be an encouragement to one another. This week, I challenge you, get out and get with God. Maybe do even something different. Maybe take a walk out in the Christmas lights or out in nature or something. Just experience Him in a little different way. A good friend of mine um, saw the birth of his child. The first thing he said to me when I asked him about it, he said, I don't know how anybody cannot believe in a God when they see that. When they see a child born. And to realize God became a child like that. God limited himself, made himself a child to become one of us. And what we need to do is, is to stop trying to tame God. Because God can do whatever he wants with whomever he wants, however he wants. And the virgin birth shows that because none of us would have guessed it would have come about like that. And yet look at Isaiah 55, 9, where it talks about, As the heavens are as high as the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Sometimes we just need to let God do the God stuff. And what that does, when we let God do the God stuff, what that does is it brings back the sense of the possibility. Not the impossible, but the possible once again. Look at what it says in verse 37. As the angel answered Mary and gave her affirmations and then said, For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible, Mary, with God. Verse 37, Luke chapter 1. The, you know what the virgin birth does? It brings this sense of wonder and amazement because the virgin birth happened to an ordinary person in an ordinary town. An ordinary person like you in an ordinary town like Stockton, California. That's what is amazing. Because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. You say, Pastor Brad, you don't know about my marriage. You don't know what we are going through. All I have to say is, if both parties are willing to work at it, nothing is impossible with God. They say, Pastor Brad, I'm not married. I desire to be married. I I want to be married or married again. If God can do a virgin birth, can he not bring about someone for you? Now, that might not be a part of his plan, but if it is, nothing is impossible for God. Some say, Pastor Brad, you don't know about the habits or the hang-ups that I am going through in my life, the sin I keep falling into over and over again. Folks, the angel said it. Do not call the angel a liar. Nothing is impossible with God. It may be something at your work. It may be something with your family. It may be something with your health. There is no obstacle to God. And God is not tamed by our theology. He is not tamed by whatever situation we are going through. God does what he pleases. And here's the great thing about it is he does it because he loves us. 
God is not out to get you. He is not the big cosmic cop out to enforce punishment upon you. God is for you. He is pro you. He loves you. He cares about you. And what he does is to work good out in your life. Ever since original sin came about in the Garden of Eden, God was trying to work his redemptive plan back into place. And that's what Christmas celebrates. That here he comes back into our lives. 400 years, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament came about. 400 years of silence. And here is now God back on the scene to say, I am for you. That is awe-inspiring. Let me tell you, though, second thing that I believe the virgin birth does. It's on the backside of your paper. It's that it allows me or helps me to realize that I matter to God. That I matter to him. This last week, um, our staff had the privilege of praying uh, for Nikki um, Lowry, who's the executive director at the Pregnancy Help Center, uh, not specifically praying for her, but praying over a packet of information she had. For two years since she's become the executive director, she's wanting to have that Pregnancy Help Center become a mobile medical unit. Uh, because they know that when girls, young women come in there and their uh, babies are seen by ultrasound and you can see and hear the heartbeats, that they are so much more likely to keep that child, those abortion-minded women who may come into that place. And so as a staff, we took the packet of information because I said it actually hasn't been going on for just two years. It's been something for 20 years. When I was on the board 20 years ago, we had that idea, that hope that would come about. Nikki is just helping bring that about. And she said, sometimes this gets caught up in bureaucracy. Sometimes the states does not like us to have this. There's other laws and regulations. And so we just prayed for it. Every one of our staff members, our pastoral staff on Monday, passed that packet of information around about a huge stack like that and laid our hands, each of us, praying over it to say, God, would you show favor on this? Would you show favor on this? Would you show favor on this? Because we know that's his heart. Every life matters to God. Some of you have been beat up by life in 2015. And you have been whipped, but you've got to know this. You matter to God. If you can hear me, even on the internet, in the venue, whatever it may be, anybody who hears my voice, you matter to God. And Mary, she is, she is blown away by this. Look at verse 48. It says, this is what Mary writes and sings about that fact. She says, For he, that is God, has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me what? Blessed. All generations now will call me blessed. I mean, think about that. God is mindful of you. He is thinking of you. Now, for some of you, that may kind of be an old message. You know that. And for some of you, you have read the Christmas story over and over and over and over and over again. It's become familiar. Well, I hope you'll read it a little differently this year. Um, for some of you who know me personally, um, I'm not the most ro- romantic guy in the world, okay? So that's just not my uh, gift. Um, but every now and then I'll do something halfway romantic. And um, uh, a number of years ago, I wrote my wife uh, a, a love note. She saved it. I accidentally came upon it uh, a number of years uh, ago. And um, I, I read it, and I thought, hey, that, that, that's pretty good. Um, 
And so I, I, I just took it and I, I put it on my wife's pillow. Um, that um, would be that, so at nighttime, she'd kind of peel back the other pillows that are on the bed and she'd be able to look at that and read that and, and remember that I had written it for her. Um, I, I forgot all about that. And I was in another room when she was preparing to go to bed. And all of a sudden, I hear this kind of this shrieking coming out of the room. She's like, oh, oh look at this. Wow, wow. You know, this kind of thing. And I, and I realized that um, as she's reading this, she doesn't realize that it was a note I had written to her years before. So I figured what she didn't know didn't hurt her, right? Now she knows. <laughs> Don't ever shy away from rereading God's love letter for you. Because he doesn't change. It's still there. And when you read this Christmas season, how God became one of us so he could love us because you matter so much to him, I pray it will take on some new light in your minds. I mean, and the virgin birth shows and says, I am thinking of you. I'm coming to go through what you have gone through because you matter to me. God did not want to just sit up in a lofty perch and be removed. He came to be one of us so that he could understand us, which is the last point on your outline, and that is the virgin birth shows that he, God, understands. God understands. You've got to know this. Just because Jesus was born of a virgin, doesn't mean that he couldn't have sinned. He was tempted in every way you and I are. He, 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 was, he was tempted to be angry. He was tempted by lust. He was tempted by envy. He was tempted by dishonesty. He was tempted in every way, Scripture says. But look at what Hebrews 4.15 says about this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. And yet I want you to read the last three words there. Read them with me. Yet without sin. He didn't sin. He could have, but he didn't. And I pray that that will give you a sense of hope and encouragement. That you don't have to step into those sins as well. I hope that gives you a sense of encouragement. That, that God understands. He gets it. And here's the great thing about this. That even as God sits up now in heaven, I don't think he looks down at you and says, What? You did that again? How could you do that? How could you be so discouraged? Even your emotions all over the place. And you don't think I care about you anymore. And you know, you, all the things that we go through. Because Jesus was one of us. He gets it. Even though he did not sin, he knew some of those feelings. Now, I don't think God says, what? Oh, that, that's okay. You did it. That's all right. I'll just overlook it. No, no, no. Not at all. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you can be empowered with the Holy Spirit. He came so that you can be forgiven and change because God loves you so much. He loves you too much to leave you in your state that you're in. That's what Jesus does for us. When we accept him in our lives, it gives us the power of the Holy Spirit that we can overcome those sins by his power. Not because of our goodness. Not because we can willpower ourselves to good work and good deeds. But because God empowers us. His Holy Spirit comes upon us and brings us to new places even as he brought Mary, the Virgin Mary, to be so blessed today.
Let me review real quick. You can just look over your outline. The virgin birth shows you God gets it. He understands. It shows you that you matter to him. And what I hope that brings you towards is a sense of awe and wonder and amazement about God. And and Mary's example, um, you know, she is a great example of, of a servant who responded to God's call. And I just want to end with one last verse because Mary's relative, Elizabeth, was the one who pegged this. Look at this in verse 46. Excuse me, 45. Says, this is what Elizabeth says about Mary. Says, um, blessed is she, blessed is she, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And the word I want you to focus on real quickly here at the end is that word, believed. She believed it. If she didn't believe it was going to happen, it would not have happened. But God spoke to her through the angel. And she stepped out and she believed. And so my question to you as we enter into this Christmas season is do you believe that God understands you? Do you truly believe that you matter to him? Because if you do, I think you will be caught in wonder and amazement in this Christmas season. And you will experience him in different ways than you had thought about before. And you will reread this Christmas story, you will reread this love letter, and it will become new to you again as though it was written for the very first time. That's God's word to you. He gets it. He gets it. Let's pray. God, we, we come to a place of giving you praise and glory, thankfulness, because you're not a God who's just high and aloof and perched in your heavenly throne and leaves life for us just to figure out and work out. You became one of us. And Lord, I want, I want to pray for anyone in here today that has lost the wonder and amazement of what that means. Folks, if you're here in this auditorium or you're hearing my voice by venue, um, if you're uncertain, if you're questioning, if you've lost that sense of awe and amazement of who God is, um, I want to pray for you that that would become alive to you in this Christmas season. And over the next few weeks, even through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and into the new year, that a relationship with God would become a reality to you. In fact, for some of you, you are ready to receive that right now. You have been awakened. Your, your spirit, in a sense, has leaped open. And you realize now, wow, God gets it. He understands. He is for me. I matter to him. And that's why Jesus came into this world. And so just as Mary believed and it came about, your relationship with God will come about when you believe. And so if today you believe that, yes, Jesus is God's Son who has come into this world, not only to be born, but also to teach, to show us the way to live, and to die upon the cross, to raise again, to show victory over death, if you believe that that is God's Son, that we can ask for forgiveness of our sins because of those acts that He did, then Scripture says you'll be saved. It says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. It's as simple as that. A belief in your heart now. 
And so today, if you're ready to do that, you just pray words that I'm going to pray right here. Put them in your own heart, on your own mind. God, I'm asking you to come into my life today. Even as you came into Mary's, would you do something amazing in my life? I pray to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Lord, today I make you the boss. I walk according to your ways. And if you pray to prayer just similar to that, then God promises he's a part of your life. And he will walk through this life with you. He gets it. He understands. He's been there. And now you get to walk with him. Now, I know there's hundreds of you in this room who uh, probably need to be awakened a little bit to the fact of how awesome God is and the wonder and amazement of what Christmas means. I pray that beginning today. You will read, you will experience, you'll pray, you'll look at the world differently to realize how awesome the Christmas message is that God became one of us. And I pray as you enter into this Christmas time and into the new year that God will become so much more alive and different to you than maybe 2015. Taking steps upon steps upon steps. Say, God, you get me. You get me. Lord, thank you for becoming real to us Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We thank you for the joy that this season brings. Thank you for your love upon us. We love you. And even now as we worship and sing one last song, Lord, I pray that the words that we sing will not just stay in our hearts, but they will go with us as we leave this place. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.